Hello and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two early 40s curmudgeons staring down the barrel of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Noah Tarno of the Big Quiz Thing. Noah, how the hell are you? I'm okay. I just got back from Texas, bringing the Big Quiz Thing to the Otherworld's Austin Film Festival, which was a lot of fun. Right. Uh, Highly recommended if you're a science fiction film aficionado every Mm. December in the capital of the Lone Star State, Austin, Texas. Plug for my friend's film festival over. So on this podcast, what we do is scrutinize a pop culture property that is beloved by younger people. We put it up to a couple of stress tests, usually uh, five questions here. The thing we are scrutinizing this week is a beloved new cartoon called Rick and Morty. How new is it? It's like, what, three years old? Four years Thir- old? 13. 13, I think it came out. 2013. Four yeah. years old. So I, this I was... remember that math. 13 minus 17 is four. I, I yeah. do remember that. That's the new math. Yeah, yeah we'll get there yeah, someday. New math. Hey, don't, hey spo- yeah. spoiler alert, okay? Keep that keep yeah. that in your back pocket, all we're gonna right? Do, we're going to do new math for an episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, Rick and Morty is a product of the uh, tortured imaginations of uh, Dan Harmon, who was the founder of something called Channel 101 in Los Angeles. Was he, he the founder? I thought the, he was just like a regular there. I think he was a co-founder. Uh, you maybe, I, okay. I, look, I associate with him. Let's put it that way, that, you know, he became the face of it. And he parlayed that into a lot of TV. Well, I, it looks like a lot of TV success. I think it might be culty TV success with things like community and pretty much just community. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, it's less about him and more about the guy who seems to really put most of the legwork into it. It was this animator named Justin Roiland who does the voices of the two titular right. characters. And Dan Harmon is an executive producer, co-writer, and I'm sure he's done some voices on the show, too. I think he does Hawk Person. Bird Person. Bird Person. Bird, Bird person. person, right. We don't want to get sued by DC Comics here. Bird Person. Exactly. Okay, uh, yeah. It looks like a riff, a very, very loose riff on Marty McFly and Doc Elliot yes. Brown. Um, well, my, my impression is that uh, Emmett Brown, Doc Emmett Brown. Emmett Brown, My sorry, impression Brown. is that this kind of came out of a short film that was a more explicit parody of Back to the Future. You know, obviously they couldn't take it much farther than that. Yeah, and so I think they've knocked down three seasons on, um, am I correct about that? I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah three, three seasons. seasons down, yeah. The, the last exactly. one just concluded, I would say, a couple months ago, um, and it shows up on Cartoon Network. It has a very crafty, uh, it's like, social media presence, and their, their ads, the bumpers in the ads themselves are also very non-standard. It's kind of also a joy to behold and how creative they tend to get over it at Cartoon Network. Um, and it's an acerbic, occasionally mean-spirited story of this alcoholic uh, mad scientist who drags his um, grandson around on weird adventures that usually involve alien wormholes and uh, strange sex entities and weird, unwholesome things that you shouldn't subject a, a teenage kid to. And that's kind of the nut graph, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, also, the their family back home are very strong supporting characters. So there's a lot of elements of the, um, you know, the animated family sitcom that we've seen from... Yeah. Family Guy and Simpsons and American Dad and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, uh, they're dragged into the adventures and the repercussions of Rick and Morty's uh, time travel and dimension hopping shenanigans. Uh, and, you know, I, that sounds pretty boilerplate. Yet another animated cartoon family, but they're strong enough characters. Uh, the dad is voiced by Chris Parnell, who yeah. uh, I know, well, originally SNL, but he was Dr. Spachemin on uh, 30 yeah. Rock, who yeah. I always enjoyed. Um, he's, I, on a, I, he's on Archer, too. I, I am glad that guy's getting work because I, I would have been perfectly happy for him to be an SNL breakout star. But uh, whatever, you know, he, he might not be a household name, but 
he's getting work, and, and that's good he's stuff. He's a yeah, so character guy. That. Yeah, and, and yeah. speaking of the family dynamic, it actually tweaks it. You know, like the there's the obvious inclusion of a family almost for the purpose of scandalizing the mold in a lot of cases. <laughs> it does some pretty conventional things with it, but it also breaks the pattern and the it, it really subjects it to a lot of weird shit and that's kind of their 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 mentality Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon have a really kind of perverse sick sense of humor there's even a little bit of like sadism in there too you know for the purpose of of making the audience watch people suffer and kind of laughing at it but also understanding that we're all laughing at it so we're not that complicit in it there's an inordinate number of articles online talking about the, the relationship between the creators of the show and its fans and how its fans don't really seem to understand. Yeah, how about that, right? The, I want to bring this up, uh, the incident. I, I had heard the name Rick and Morty, but my first real awareness of it was last October. So basically there was one episode. I haven't even seen this episode yet. You've seen them all, right? I have, yeah. Okay, so as I, and correct me if I'm wrong, as I gather, there was some very complicated time travel dimension plot and it was all for the purpose of going back and getting some McDonald's Szechuan sauce. Yeah, that was a great which episode. Yeah. was a product that McDonald's briefly had as a promotion when Disney's Mulan movie came out in 95, 96. Yeah, right. something like that. It was more or less a throwaway joke about McDonald's, which, you know, is the zenith of mediocrity in our society. I give credit to McDonald's to wisely tie in with this. They had a campaign. They're like, hey, on this date, we're going to be offering Szechuan sauce again. And then these nerds like came out and for, you know, people don't vote, but apparently they're willing to spend all day camped out outside of fucking McDonald's to get glucose mixed with half of a spice. <laughs> and McDonald's is not prepared for it. So each location had like 10 packets and people were lined up around the block. And of course, these idiots don't get their glucose paste from McDonald's. So they start screaming and yelling and screaming at sub-minimum wage McDonald's employees, writing stuff on social media. Okay, sure, Trump administration, you know, erase the threat of climate change. That I, I'm just going to go about my life when that happens. But how dare you, McDonald's, deprive me of this stupid joke? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the blowback, I don't blame McDonald's, obviously. A lot of the blowback was just, there was a headline. I actually asked a question about this in the sci-fi quiz I did this summer. It was like, fill in the blank in the headline from last October. Like, the Szechuan sauce fiasco proves that blank fans don't understand blank. Yeah. And the blank is Rick and Morty. And the idea being that, like, look, this is a throwaway joke that, like, time, space, and the meaning of everything is all to get Szechuan sauce. Like, we're basically saying Szechuan sauce is the least important thing in the world. And if fans are willing to camp out for the stupid crap, then they clearly don't get that. There's something interesting about what Rick and Morty and the way it's kind of trolling its own fan base. I think there's something really deep in, in a book or a scholarly article to be written on this. And yeah. I'm not the one to do it because I've only made it through about eight episodes. So mm -hmm. there you well, go. you've warmed it up, <laughs> but you've warmed it up though. I feel like you've introduced yes, a lot of yes. a lot of weird, jagged points. You know, like the, yeah. we just we described the bare basis of what this thing tends to be. It's ribald humor. It's sort of um, off-color jokes. It's in a way, it's a lot more cutting uh, version of satire than say a South Park or or a Bob's Burgers or Family Guy. Or yeah, like that. yeah. Well, Bob Bob's Burgers seems a lot more gentle to me. Bob's Burgers um, has a lot more, I would say, redeeming values. Like you're watching something that that's not designed to be as iconoclastic as Rick and Morty is. Rick and Morty is right. like a show. Pretty much designed for the Reddit generation. I mean, it is yes, really yes. that 
that kind of thing. And it yeah. it doesn't give a fuck, or at least it didn't give a fuck at the beginning about whether you liked it or not. It was yeah. very much doing its own thing, and as if no one was watching. And um, that was only true for like a brief period of time before a lot of people watched. And I say a lot of people. In today's balkanized media environment, actually, it's it's got a big footprint. It's pretty much the most watched thing on, on Cartoon Swim, or no, Cartoon Swim. Adult Car- Swim. Adult Cartoon Swim, Cartoon Swim. Network. You get my you get On my the trip. Adult Network. <laughs> on the adult network. It's, uh, it's pretty much, there's a porn network that for two hours every night has uh, has child-friendly animation. Yeah. Stick figures, yeah, flash animation. <laughs> it is this bigger phenomenon than either Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland could have set out to make, and they're kind of right. trying to ride a dragon right now. They right. don't quite know how to um, handle it. I mean, they're doing a good job of, of, uh, of making the show in, in a, I would say, in a vacuum. They're trying not to be affected by its, its viewership, which is a laudable thing because some shows wind up becoming an instant reaction factory to what people are saying about the show. And that always takes away because you just figure like, well, they're not making the show. They're just responding to fans rather than adhering to their own vision. But these guys still seem like they're getting a pretty blank check from uh, adults yeah. to, to do what they want to do. I'm only six or eight episodes in. It's partly a function of just this is my busy time of year and traveling and all that. But I, I am I am impressed by it. Um, I went in comparing it to BoJack Horseman, you know, the other, I, I, I know Rick and Morty's on Adult Swim, but I'm watching on Netflix, so I'm thinking of it as a Netflix show. Or am I watching it? No, I'm watching on a Hulu. Sorry, Hulu. I've really gotten into BoJack Horseman. They're very different shows. I mean, the only, the only common factor is they're cartoons for adults. At first, I had a mild criticism of Rick and Morty in that I don't think it's that funny. There aren't laugh lines the way BoJack has them or the way the Simpsons at its best, you know, nobody did it better than the Simpsons at its best, you know, lines you repeat and stuff you laugh out loud. Well, Rick and Morty has that I'm so impressed by is it's so imaginative. The ideas these guys come up with, I, I've said this a lot of times, a problem with so much comedy these days is like, hey, here's a wacky idea, you know, publish and print. No, you got to think what's next. And just these, I mean, the ideas, like you never see this stuff coming. They really use this dimension hopping, different alternate alternate universe kind of thing. They really use it to their advantage. I mean, there's an episode I saw that it ends where they're basically their their bullshit has destroyed the world. Human beings are turning into monsters. So how do they solve this problem? They they enter into an alternate universe. They murder their counterparts <laughs> and they just start living there. Yeah, it's and great. and uh, I mean, it's a, you know they're not adhering to strict continuity because why should they? Uh, I mean, they're not as cavalier about it as The Simpsons is. You know, now that's where we are. So can it's, I uh, can I tell you how many it's times? It's so that, imaginative. I love how, that. Go how ahead. many times that call they call back to that? That seriously? Oh, really? They do. Oh, All right. Man. I guess I like that. I guess yeah, I like it, that. It, but never it never forgets something. There's there's it's a deep deep, especially with the the way the last season, the third season ended. There is a big deep cut at the end of the cliffhanger that pays back to something from very early on. The Simpsons makes the 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 short attention span work to its advantage. I yeah. mean, it's almost a joke at this point. So, you know, that's the truth with everything is you make your absurdity work to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And clearly Rick and Morty's advantage is keeping this stuff in the background and, and letting it poke its head in when it seems appropriate. So I, I'm, I'm impressed with the show. Never going to wait online for fucking Szechuan sauce because the show tells me to. So I'm not, you know, a fanboy, but I'm impressed and I'm going to keep watching. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're a fan, um... How much are you a fan, Bill? Yeah, I'm not reading um, online bulletin boards. I'm not hanging out at, at McDonald's for the sauce. But I, at the beginning, uh, I heard about this from a podcast called Extra Hot Great, which was scrutinizing uh, an episode early on um, 
and I'd never heard of it before. It was the first time I'd heard it, and just to sort of I, the just hearing it on a podcast, the web, I mean, the captures of the audio sounded interesting and sort of jagged enough to to give it a shot. So I watched a few episodes. It took me. I liked it enough from the start um, when I did what you did, which is just kind of take a flyer on a few of those early episodes in season one. That's all that was available at the time. I felt like it got bigger the more I watched. Like they almost discovered something about the show, knew something new about the show with every episode they made. And so it changed very quickly and it, it, it adapted to the premise. It's like the very first episode is a lot more limited than the one that came before it and so on and so forth. And it's like they have specified and honed what they wanted to do with it. And that really impressed me, that they got the, they just got the idea of their show, and it became bigger and less limited by tropes the more they went on. Right. So, you know, at the end of season one, into season two, into season three, it has a sort of bigger vision, and it is kind of beholden to no one, nor is it really mimicking too many other shows. There are tropey things that happen within it, but narratively, it seems to... Um, kind of really be beholden to no man and that's that's what's interesting about it do you think that might be a function of as they've had some success they felt more off the leash less afraid that an executive is going to meddle i mean clearly they had uh, their own attitude and their own vision early on but now that they've struck pay dirt you know they're even they're even more they're even braver because they're they have some leverage and they can say to a Cartoon Network or a Hulu executive or whatever like no fuck you we're gonna do this our way. Yeah, I would definitely say it's part of that. Now I would also add that they have almost like um, like what you alluded to. They've almost become hostile to a component of their viewership. The people who they intuit do not understand yeah. and that, that you know there there is a um, a cadre of people who you know, chase this thing down and they are like the hardcore 4chaners, the hardcore people that they construe as almost being like alt-right type people or just shit yeah. posters. And yeah. it goes against their values to um, placate them. It goes against their values to give them something that they would enjoy. So they're almost like building the show as a response to some of the people that they think are assholes that are fans. It's almost like they're trying to shake or provoke people who've picked up the, the standard of the show. I, I'm also reading about there's a meme that they inspired Pickle Rick, an episode yeah, where incredible. Rick pickle turns Rick himself into a pickle. insane, yeah, exactly. And it was, I, it was like in a preview and people got excited about it and then basically the episode's argument was like, yeah, this is stupid. Like of all the experiments rick has done this is the dumbest thing he's done yeah so it's it was almost a, a way of trolling their fan base you know i think there was some of this going back to antecedents i think there was some of this with beavis and butthead mm -hmm. like i feel like there was a disconnect I, I was never a big fan of beavis and butthead i thought it was all right but what bothered me was it seemed to me and again you know proto internet there wasn't as much of a community for this kind of stuff but that people who treated beavis and butthead as if they were cool or as if they were something to look up to. And Mike Judge had no regard for anyone. I mean, no. he held he held mainstream media and and the powers that be in low regard, but he held Beavis and Butthead themselves in even lower regard. Yeah. I mean, they he treated them like they were subhuman. You know, that was part of the joke of the show. Like, yeah, the world sucks, but sitting around saying it sucks makes you even worse. I felt like, maybe unfairly, that a lot of fans didn't get that. I think um, you're. I think you're right about that. And there might be some of that here. I'm impressed by this. It it works on it works on so many levels. Morty, you gotta come on. You, you gotta come with what, me. What, Rick? What's going on? I got a surprise for it's you, the Morty. Middle of the night. What are you talking about? Come on, I got a surprise for you. Come on, hurry up. You gotta get. Ow, gotta go. Ow, gotta get out ow, of here. You're tugging come me on. too I got hard. A surprise for you, Morty. What do you What do you think of this flying vehicle, Morty? 
I built it out of stuff I found in the garage. Yeah, Rick, it's it's great. Is this the surprise? Morty, I had to, I had to do, I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to make a bomb, Morty. I had to create a bomb. What? A bomb? We're gonna drop it down there and oh, get a oh, whole fresh start, oh. Morty. Create a whole fresh start. That, 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 that's absolutely crazy. Come on, Morty, just take it easy, Morty. It's gonna be good. Why is it popular? It's well done, and it, it hit pay dirt in the still possible in our world for quality to be appreciated. Uh, you said it's, you know, it's of the times in that it weaponizes intelligence and thought and creativity in a way that I think the internet at its best does. A way to show off your knowledge, a way to prove your mental superiority, your nerdiness, uh, the era of revenge of the nerds, you know. Um, it's, and it's just, it's got a nice light touch in terms of the animation being really smooth and really funny. The voices are great. Uh, the plots are unpredictable. Um, you know, it's it's an example of quality winning out, but it is cannily well-attuned to the nerdy mind of 2017. Uh, Rick is, you know, a few other things. Rick is a great character. And, oh yeah, um, I would, I, this is a good point. Um, the show really plays with and satirizes and explores and has a laugh at the nature of reality. And I think this is something we as a society are wrestling with or playing with at the moment. Um, I mean, how many times in the past year have you said, are we really living in this world? Are we in an alternate universe? Are we yeah. in every, every you know, half are hour. we on Earth 7? You know, like, I think there's a lot of that in the air of like, what is the real world? What is the nature of reality? The show's action-packed. It's very imaginative. Uh, it's crazy without being hard to follow. Uh, it had, like you said, it has an edge to it of daringness that is not too daring. So I'm sure a lot of these 4chan assholes feel like they're being rebels in watching it, but they don't have to rebel too much. So, you know, it's it for better and for worse. It is attuned to our zeitgeist. Yeah, that's, no, that's, I think that's all good. I think it is built specifically to inhabit the um, kind of leeway you get when entertainment, like I said, is so balkanized. That there is a space like Adult Swim, which is rewarding off base, you know, too many cooks type shit. And <laughs> there's a hunger for it out there, too, where it's not just like a one-off you do as a display to show how outre you are. There's a way to maintain it week after week in an episodic way, kind of like revitalizing. Not that animation needs to be revitalized, but I guess every every couple of years, animation does need to go through a little bit sure. of a, a wake up. And and there, luckily, there's a show every couple of years that does do that. It wakes it up. It's fun to see cartoon characters curse. It's fun to see them be mean. It's, it's fun to see <laughs> still, them. still, really, still. You know what? It invents new ways. Uh, I, I really, I really, really, really like Rick. I am so over the top yeah. for Rick. He's, 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 a, he's that, a great TV character. He is a, he's a great unique TV and fun. And, and I want to be clear to people who don't know it, like, it is based on Doc and Marty a little, but he's a major, I mean, he looks like Doc Brown, but personality-wise, he's a major departure. I mean, Misanthrope. he only shares yeah. the most, yeah, he only shares, the, yeah, like Doc Brown was an optimist. He only shares yeah. the most basic DNA. You know, he's an alcoholic. Um He's, he's, uh, Doc Brown is crazy in a lovable way. This guy's crazy in a kind of menacing, scary way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's really, he, he's, he's a completely unique character and it's, it's lovable. And he's, he's, he's going to be up there with Homer Simpson and all the great TV characters. Archie Bunker. 30, 40 years. Archie Bunker. Uh, like well, that. you want to go far enough back. Yeah, Archie Bunker, you know, Lu yeah. Lucy Ricardo. I mean, he'll uh, be in that top 50 that TV Guide puts out in three years or whatever. I also feel like um, there is that early Seinfeld 
uh, impetus uh, among the writers of nobody learns, nobody hugs, nobody feels good. Yeah, yeah, there's, they, there's none of that. They really faint on the idea that it looks like there's going to be a warm moment uh, where characters yeah. learn and they grow. And it just gets really almost like pitch dark and nobody is rewarded. Nobody learns. Nobody grows. Right. There are moments as the show goes on, it does become more aware that there is this sort of narrative responsibility to to make the character more complex. So in some ways, Rick does develop strains of self-sacrifice, which to me are unattractive because I think they're a little off model from the the, the rocket that they made in the very beginning. I, I mean, the me- metaphorical rocket, not the actual rocket that shows up in the show. <laughs> but um, I really like a Rick that is unapologetically uh, an alcoholic and has no redeeming. And it's it, how many different ways can you reinvent, un, un, you know, an irredeemable character? And I feel like right. they have it. They haven't run out of tricks, you know, and. Look, some of the performance, a lot of the performance is based on improvisation. These guys just get up behind the mic and they slur. And Justin Roiland frequently will like pound bourbon before he does these takes. So he's actually, he's loaded. He puts a fucking bag on and then they just, (laughs) he just, he'll he'll do voice uh, free association into the night. And then they'll just animate around the fucking garbage that he generated while he was pissed drunk. I mean, that that's how you make this shit. It's incredible. I love Rick's speech patterns. I, he's yes. got this funny thing. I can't think of another character that does this. It's, it's partially a drunk thing. It's partially a crazy thing where he'll, he'll get like a word and a half into a sentence and then he'll start <laughs> it over again. But the second word is different. Yeah. So <laughs> come and on, the- Morty. It's not like, it's not uh, as if you uh, go, uh, you know. Okay, it's, Morty, we 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 gotta we gotta go. No, no, get 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 the gym, shit, Morty. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. You're 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 closer to it than I am, but yeah. you're still not there. I had a reaction when I watched the first episode, like this is like nothing I've ever heard before. And same reaction I had when I first heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Same, I can't believe this comes to mind. Same reaction I first had when I first heard "A Lot of Smora Set." Like this is different. This is new. And Rick is truly a mad genius. I mean, he can, you know, if, if we were to take the show literally, he's the greatest scientific mind of, in history. I mean, he can, he can solve any problem with shit located in the garage. Of any intelligence, uh, not just human, yeah, but any yeah. intelligence. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, it's, it's funny in that way. Yeah. Um, sorry, my cat's attacking my arm. Hey, Jerry, don't worry about it. So what if the most meaningful day of your life was a simulation operating at minimum capacity? <clears throat> you know what, Rick? Those guys took you for a ride, too. You should try having a little respect for the dummies of the universe, now that you're one of us. Uh, Maybe you're right, Jerry. Maybe you're right. Wow! What the hell? What what happened back there? Why don't you ask the smartest people in the universe, Jerry? Oh, yeah. You can't. They blew up. So if you were a youngster today, a youngin, not quite your, your desiccated, aged self, would you... Well, you do love it now, but would you love it just as much would you love it more i was having a conversation with my wife about like uh ren and stimpy and and the the analogs of this stuff when we were younger when we were leaving teenagehood and how a show like ren and stimpy uh had this real craft put to it like because the guy that made it was out of the ralph bakshi factory um and yet ren and stimpy much like beavis and butthead were they were cousins on mtv at the time were more or less designed to provoke the audience they were just giving the audience pretty one-dimensional entertainment and each was doing that very well but there weren't layers to it beavis and butthead was scorning the audience as it was giving them the characters but it and 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 ren and stimpy was like providing gross outs you know it was was about bad breath and and, and, yeah and 
mucus and, and things St- like that. I think Ren and Stimpy was art, and by that I don't mean like oh the finest thing ever. I mean I loved Ren and Stimpy, but like the design of it had a real yeah. unique um, personality. It was so it was, an it animator's was, it was more about right. It was more about the animators like being creative. Right, narratively, it was thin, and the characters were thin. It was yeah. more of a freighting thing, right, for this incredible right. design work that was kicked out of, like, Ralph Bakshi. Oh, and God, that shit. Feel, just some of that shit was crazy. It and was it nuts. Just, it was nuts. Yeah, it was, it was good. It and was I good. feel like this is the inheritor for sure, but the beauty is, is that we've come so far that what you're getting is the same kind of impulse to scandalize the audience, to give them what they want. As you're trying to make them feel a little bad for wanting it, which, you know, I, right. I love that, too. So, I look, I, I mean, I watched those shows when we were kids and gobbled them up on the one or two dimensions that they had. I look back at it and it was simple. I don't think I could watch Beavis and Butthead other than just sort of sampling it. I don't, I don't think I could watch Ren and Stimpy and appreciate it, but I feel like this is even better than that. And uh, if it had layers for me to discover, I think, well, I'd grow into them. Like, they're there to be found the more I would get older. So this is perfect. This would absolutely have been right. It's sci-fi. It's fucking yeah. aliens. It's weird yeah. sex shit. It's, it's emasculated yeah. men. It's got all this, you know, great elements of, of really outre storytelling. I would have loved it. I would have liked it, too. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the rebellion element would have appealed to me. I mean, I I was an immediate adherent to The Simpsons, and part of what I liked and what I think a lot of people liked about The Simpsons, and, and it's kind of hard to think now, not only because The Simpsons has become the, you know, our cultural institution, but in how gentle and tame it often seems compared to stuff now, is, you know, people were up in arms about this. Oh, Bart Simpson, underachiever and proud of it. What a poor lesson. There was an element of um, transgressiveness to The Simpsons that, you know, when Simpsons came out, we were 14, that I that really tickled me. And even to this day, I still like the smartassness of it. The fact, you know, I, I once heard great metaphor that said, the Simpsons' view of America is that it's a happy-faced, toxic waste dump. And while, you know, there are other things that have expressed that through time, and the Simpsons really made that idea go mainstream. Uh, so so the, the edginess of Rick and Morty, I think, would have appealed to me. I might be on a message board talking about it. I just might. Good work, Morty. You know, these demonic alien spirits are really valuable. You okay, Morty? I told you not to trust that tuna. I just killed my family. I don't care what they were. I don't know, Morty. Some people would pay top dollar for that kind of breakthrough. You know what, Rick? That's it. I'm done with these insane adventures. That was really traumatizing. I quit. I'm out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on, Morty. Don't, don't, don't be like that. The universe is a crazy, chaotic place. You're the one that's crazy and chaotic. Adventures are supposed to be simple and fun. Oh, yeah, Morty. Yeah, re- yeah that, that, that's real easy to say from the sidekick position. Is Rick and Morty a sign of the apocalypse? I might surprise you and say somewhat yes. In this world where people... You know, the, the idea that a, sh- that a show's fans don't understand it, that a show's fans don't see they're being mocked at. You know, one of our big, one of the major signs of the apocalypse, I feel these days, is that people don't see that they're being taken for suckers. And cultural everyone's illiteracy. a tool. Right, cultural. Well, I've gone on and on about this. Everyone's a tool. And on a very small scale, this is another example of this, that these people are being manipulated and mocked and used by 
the Rick and Morty creators. And look, this is a case where I'm going to go caveat emptor. Fuck you. If you don't understand a cartoon, that's your own fault. Yeah. I get more upset when it's, you know, the government doing that to people. <laughs> but um, as much I, I think I actually tweeted at the time, having never watched Rick and Morty, like people waiting for hours at McDonald's for sauce because a cartoon told us that is a, I might have literally said is a sign of the apocalypse. And even having now watched that cartoon and enjoyed that cartoon, I stand by that because it's just a cartoon. And even putting aside the fact, you know, even if the show was like, yes, Szechuan sauce is the most important thing in the world, it's just a fucking cartoon. And it's just entertainment. I don't mean to say that cartoons suck. It's just entertainment. You know, if it were live action, I'd feel the same way. And, you know, I was being sarcastic before. Like, I, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to care that my rights are being taken away. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do anything about a fucking child molester being elected to the U.S. Senate Senate, and, a, and someone with no respect for American institutions being our leader. But I'm going to... I'm going to yell at McDonald's because I don't get Mulan sauce. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that might be the biggest sign of the apocalypse we've dealt with on the show, my friend. In that case, I would say it's a bellwether of the apocalypse, but it is nothing more than, say, a litmus. It is just a, um, you know, like a blood test that shows the presence of the apocalypse rather than, <laughs> rather than any sort of cause of it. And I would agree with you. Like, you know, there's nothing inherently destructive about Rick and Morty because it's just doing things that other shows have done in a different combination. But in the way that things are gobbled up in today's media landscape, there is, um, you know, no inherent danger to watching the show. And again, I think it actually treats storytelling with a fair amount of complexity. It does something yes. narratively that you really don't expect a show like that to do. And it's yeah. grown it's grown into it. However... Sometimes but, but what what does it matter if people don't understand that? Well, that's true. Right? I mean, I understand yeah. it. You understand it. I would say sometimes the worst thing about a thing is the people who like it. And I mean, you know, you could say that about movies. You could say that about sports teams. Uh, you know, not that anything is really bad until you see the fandom of it, and it's like the be the behavior that they that they manifest, and that could be in this case too. You know, other than the fact that again we're talking about a very small subsection of people, this is not the box office grows of, of, of Pixar's Coco, you know, like you're talking about something yeah. fairly minuscule as these things yeah. go. This is the thing. These, show, these shows that people talk about on the internet, like even going back to like Mad Men and all that, like still have a fraction of the viewership of like How NCIS. I Met Your yeah. yeah, or there's, you know, we don't realize in our liberal bubble, in our media bubble, that just the shit that the average person just could not care less about. I mean, um, but also that's just not even important. It's like, so what if if just we like it? That that's you know hardly a gigantic sin. That, you know, I mean, Batman versus Superman was a bigger sin for that. If you're gonna like pillory <laughs> something for its for its audience. Oh yeah, you gotta get Swifty. You gotta get Swifty in here. It's time to get Swifty. Get. Swifty? What the hell is that? It's our world's best effort, that's what. Take off your pants and your panties. Shit on the floor. Time to get Swifty in here. Are you jealous of Rick and Morty, Bill Scurry? Go. I say thee nay, and uh, I don't have any misgivings about this show. In fact, I feel like uh, anything narratively I would have had in my head just winds up getting pummeled and, and diced into small cubes because of the kind of... <laughs> The kind of ledger domain these guys do on the show, 
I feel like they're like I have never any, never have any idea where they're going to take an episode, and it's just such a fresh sensibility that they can find new context in sci-fi and comedy and cartoons and just weird things like that. That I'm I'm impressed. I'm always impressed. I feel like I never run out of admiration for the kind of things that they do. It doesn't ever fill me with any sense of misgiving. I, the only thing I walk away with, and again, maybe this isn't even appropriate for this question is um, I wish they wouldn't be conventional or trend towards the conventional when they start to make the family thing matter more and they make Rick more contrite. That is a taste thing. and It has little to do with jealousy, but that's pretty much as far as I can go in that direction. Uh, I am jealous. I'm retreading old ground here, but I tried to build a groundswell of fan support for a project I was proposing, and I, I couldn't get out of, well, I got out of first gear. I couldn't get out of second gear. And then idiots will camp out in front of McDonald's. I mean, how many times do I have to say it? The, the dedication Rick and Morty fans show over nothing versus the lack of dedication my fans showed over what I considered something. So I'm jealous of that. What are you going to do? If you want to find more back episodes of I Don't Get It, especially the Zack yes. Snyder episode, which we covered yeah, Batman versus Superman, look to iTunes, look to SoundCloud, look to Google Play and Stitcher, all the usual raft of places. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Visit I Don't Get It Podcast.com. Give us a review on iTunes. Yes, please. Please do. We ask kindly. As a Christmas present to us. As a Hanukkah present. As a holiday present. As a, ho- for those, for as those a Hanukkah you. present. Yes. Well, it's nice to have a leader who actually says Merry Christmas I, as opposed to our past leader who only said it a couple thousand times. You can find me on Twitter at William Scurry. I am there all day dicking around. Trust me. I'm my. I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar. And my good buddy Noah Tarno is... Where is he? Where do we find this guy? Bigquizthing.com at Bigquizthing at Noah Tarno. I'm going to leave it at that. Let's fire up our dimensional guns and let's get out of here, all right? All right. Yeah. See you next time. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.